Hello and welcome to what I'm sad to say is the last ever episode of Fast Charge, the previously <laughs> weekly smartphone podcast from the team here at TechAdvisor. Uh, I'm your host Dom and it is fitting that we have Henry and Lewis here this week, our kind of stable trio for at least the last few months of running this thing. Um, so yeah, before we get further in, this is our final ever Fast Charge, which is very sad. Um, that's come about a little bit because, sadly, Lewis is leaving Tech Advisor entirely yes. um, and escaping to other places. <laughs> and the thought of running this show without him was A, too sad, and B, too overwhelming from a work and technical point of view for me to consider going on without him there to help. Um, so yeah, this will be the last episode we're doing. Uh, of course, that does not mean the end of TechAdvisor. We are still there as TechAdvisor.com, written content going out all the time, and the YouTube channel is not going anywhere either. So if you do want to stick around as a subscriber, we'll have plenty of video content coming out. We're just not going to be doing this specific weekly show anymore. All right, let's not dwell on that too long. Let's get into what we are actually talking about this week. So our three big topics. First up, we are talking all things Galaxy S23. We thought now that the official launch date has been announced <clears throat> for February 1st, we better take a look at what we're expecting for the phones. Everything's been leaked, as always, with a big Samsung launch. <laughs> so we pretty much know what the S23 line is, which means we can give some early thoughts on what we're expecting from it. Uh, next up, we're going to discuss the fact that nothing has kind of launched the Phone 1 in the US after saying that it wouldn't do that. Um, you can now pick up a nothing Phone 1 as a beta version in the States at a reduced price with some hefty cons to that to go along with the pros. So we're going to chat about that, why nothing has done this, whether it makes sense, and whether anyone in their right mind should go ahead and buy one of these phones as they stand in the US. And then finally, we are going to talk about the Razer Edge, that Wi-Fi slash 5G Android and Snapdragon powered handheld from Razer that definitely isn't a phone promise. Um, I got the chance to go hands-on with it. This was admittedly two months ago, and I haven't been allowed to say a word about it since then. <laughs> but I did get to go hands-on with it in November. Um, and now at CES, they've kind of given out some of the final pricing and release details. It's going to be on sale in the US later this month. So that feels like a great chance to talk about my thoughts from trying it out and where we think it sits in the marketplace. And again, should you buy it? Because I have questions mm. there. Yeah. Before that, little bits and pieces of news. So first up, uh, an oddity from last week um, that broke just after the show last week. Um, but Qualcomm has announced something called Snapdragon Satellite, um, which is essentially satellite communications for phones using the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. There's a few oddities to this. One, it's kind of weird that they've announced this after the chip. I'm sure there's <laughs> some sort of technical reason they wouldn't announce it at the same time as the chip itself. But this is tech that is in the current Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. So it's a little unclear whether phones that have already launched or are in the process of launching can or will ever support this. What is yeah. clear is that phones later this year, powered by the 8 Gen 2, can support satellite communications if the manufacturer wants them to. It doesn't mean every 8 Gen 2 phone will have this for sure. I'm sure there are extra costs and hurdles and technical challenges involved to incorporating it. So we'll kind of see, I suspect it will be a bit of a piecemeal thing as to which HN2 phones have it and which don't. Um, Henry, any other thoughts from you? You were briefed by Qualcomm on this. Yeah, I was just going to add to that. Um, uh, in the original briefing, they were a bit unclear about the point you just made. And so I asked um, 
to them to clarify if current phones, for example, the IQ 11, mm -hmm. and I suppose things like the OnePlus 11, which is kind of announced but not quite launched yet, at least over here, can they run it or can OEMs add it on? I kind of asked those two questions. They didn't comment on the first thing. They were like, we don't comment on OEMs, blah, blah, blah. But then they said <laughs> that uh, they, they did clarify, and I, I updated our article to say that uh, you can't turn it on using software. Interesting. Implying okay. that it might be hardware-based and a decision you'd have to make at manufacturing level, uh, which is not to say they're not denying that those phones don't do or it, don't it have it, if you see, well what, if you see what I mean. made that decision at hardware yeah. level two months ago and couldn't say but a word about it to it does, I, I think what they were basically implying is it doesn't come as standard with the 8 Gen 2, yeah. and it's kind of like an add-on. That's, add that's what yeah. I inferred from it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we'll see it on some phones, not on others. Uh, and one final clarifying point, just because it always bugs me, this has been reported widely as Qualcomm adding this feature that Apple did in <laughs> iPhones first. <laughs> kind of half true, but let's be fair, Huawei got there first first before <laughs> Apple in the Matrix. They were all doing right? it at the same time, and <laughs> they just happened within a couple of months of each other, didn't they? So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, while we're on Apple, might as well touch on some happy news for today. Um, an otherwise sad day, but joyously... The iPhone <laughs> SE 2024 has been cancelled. Yes. Apple will not be inflicting that phone on the world. Reportedly. Uh, reportedly. We don't know for sure. Uh, but, I blame um, you personally. <laughs> yeah, I personally, it was me and Techspert were both ragging on it so hard that they couldn't bring themselves to put another one out. They couldn't um, deal with it. Yeah, very openly, I've not been a fan of the last two SEs. I think obviously the one from years ago was a great phone for the time. I think the last two have been a very bad choice for a lot of people in that bit of the market. It has been reported that Apple has basically told its supply chain to stop building all the bits to put the SE out into the world in 2024. This is reported, mm. may well change. It may well actually reflect the fact that they've retooled the design, so they've told everyone to stop building the thing they had in mind because they're doing something slightly different for it. We don't really know. But at the moment, it looks like there may not be another SE, um, and I think that's probably a good thing, at least in terms of what Apple had been doing with that phone. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I like the idea of a more affordable iPhone. I don't want to sound like I'm against that. I think it's great and important that Apple should offer that. I just think what they they'd shown twice that they didn't know how to build that and <laughs> not in a way that was fair to consumers and giving them value for money. No. So I would, it, yeah. know, if it, in its current iteration, I'm happy to see that there won't be another one. The dream is that the the mini returns, but in SE form, and is just sold at that price point. Yeah, I can't I see it quite happening that way. Between but... a mini and like the iPhone XR, you know that kind of space. I was saying that was going to be like an exciting update as well, because they were going to shift to the XR's design, and you know that, that was that the thought. And if that happened, I probably would have been a much bigger fan. Yeah, they just had to hold out a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, now onto slightly more concrete things. Also in the kind of budgety space, um, Samsung India has teased that a Galaxy A series phone with a 120 hertz display is launching mm. on January 18th. That's basically all we know. Um, that could be the Galaxy A54. That would maybe be the most exciting option that you could get. Um, or it could be an A34 or something like that. It'll be an A blank four, given Samsung's <laughs> naming conventions. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Launching in India on January 18th, that doesn't actually necessarily mean it's going to come anywhere else because last year's A73 was, I think, India only. It certainly didn't make it to the UK and Europe, though. I don't know if it went mm. a bit broader than, than just India. Um, so one launching in India may mean it is an India only model. We'll see. It could also be a half stop, to be fair. This could be like an A53S, one of those six months on slightly tweaked versions. We'll see. But there's going to be a new budgety mid rangey Samsung soon. 
Um, we're also expecting to see Vivo's X90 series get its global rollout soon. Uh, Vivo Malaysia has now posted a, not an event page, but a promo page for the X90 series. So acknowledging that that is going to be getting a launch in Malaysia, which will be its debut outside of China, as far as we know. Perhaps tellingly, they have confirmed that they are not launching the Pro Plus model. Um, and all their teasing is built around the X90 Pro, and they confirmed to GSM Arena that the Pro Plus is not getting a Malaysian launch. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not launching anywhere outside of China, but it probably does, which mm -hmm. is a real shame, because that is the exciting one. That's the one with the one-inch camera sensor. That's the one with the OTT um, camera all round. And in fact, this year, more than normal, I think there's quite a big camera gap between the Pro and the yeah. Pro Plus. Um, in a way that they've been closer in previous gens. So I think to not get the Pro Plus internationally would be a real shame because that's the one where you look and go, wow, I want to try that camera. I look at the specs of the X90 Pro and say, yeah, I'm sure that'll be good. But <laughs> it's a little less exciting to me at least. Yeah, you seem pretty bummed about that. Yeah. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll get a Pro yeah, Plus. I keep my fingers crossed. Um, and last little bit, a slight oddity, though I think this is probably a good thing and probably makes sense. Um, reports this week that the Surface Duo 3 has been changed from the dual-screen book-style device we've come to know and begrudgingly like uh, to hey, hey, a... No. <laughs> Not a word against the Duo. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm, I haven't used one properly. I'm fond of it for playing around, but I don't think I'd ever buy one. No. Uh, but now, report no, is we're getting a, ro a real foldable for the Duo 3. And they, they won't be to call it a Duo then, will they? It has to be called the Surface Uno. Well, they well it'll still have two screens, though. One on the outside and one on the inside. <laughs> and I guess. still in two halves. Suppo will it ha is it reportedly one on the outside? I think so, yeah, in, in the standard follow I think I saw that in, in the report. Because if they read, kept, if they kept the same idea around it, then it would be foldable, but no screen on the outside, because that's mm. the, the idea of closing the old folio. Mm. That would be interesting, but I think that would mark it too much as a thing their phone lacks that every other foldable has. You know Maybe they'll I mean? put a kickstand in it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Duo 3... Maybe it's not called that, but something like that will come out yeah. eventually, and it looks like it will be an actual foldable. That probably delays its launch because that kind of they, they were reportedly in the process of building one in that original form factor. Yeah, so supposedly. this would have set that back by some time, I'm sure, if they're scrapping that and retooling as a uh, proper foldable. But still, I, I think ultimately this is the smart move. I, it's a bit sad to see that diversity disappear a little bit, but I mean, foldables make more sense uh, at this point. Yeah. All right, let's talk Samsung. We know for a fact we are getting a <laughs> Galaxy Unpacked event on February 1st. We know for a fact that the Galaxy Unpacked event will include the launch of a new Samsung Galaxy phone, along with a Galaxy Book laptop. Uh, we know that one of those two devices will have a triple camera setup, and I'm guessing it's not the laptop. Um, because that's pretty much the only thing Samsung has heavily teased, is a that shot of three circular cameras. Um, that's all the stuff we know officially, officially, definitely fact from Samsung. They haven't said the words S23, um, they haven't said how many phones, they haven't said anything like that. But we all know, really. <laughs> In our heart of hearts, we know. The S23 series is launching on the 1st of February. There will be three phones, an S23, an S23 Plus, and an S23 Ultra. 
and we think we know quite a bit about what we're going to get from these. So I guess we'll break it down bit by bit, but let's start with the, the big thing, which is the design, because this year we are getting a fair bit of design change from everything we've seen in, in leaks and concept renders, and even as of today, actual supposedly leaked official Samsung imagery, like their own promo artwork. Um, the S23 Ultra is almost unchanged aesthetically from the S22 Ultra. I think the camera lenses are a little bit larger than last year, but otherwise basically looks the same. The big difference is now the regular and the plus model match, um, which mm. I'm happy with. I think I preferred last year's S22 design overall, but it always bothered me last year that it was this weird half series where the S22 and the 22 Plus were just completely different design <laughs> language to the Ultra model. Yeah. And I'm much happier that at least they've brought them all together into one obvious connected family, even if I think yeah. overall maybe they're a, they stand out a little less than they did last year. I prefer the S21 Ultra design anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. The S21 in general, I, know it was I think the... that was a great year. I think they all looked, all the phones looked really good that year. Yeah, they look, they look really good. Um, I mean, also, is it just me? Yeah, that's why I ask. Uh, the regular S23, if these leaks are correct, front and back, it looks like an iPhone. Like... See, I was going to say <laughs> yeah. that it has bothered me how many people are saying that, because I don't see it at all, other than in the really? generic strokes that it's like, it's a phone, it's got slightly straight edges... There's cameras there, and it doesn't have a big camera module. Like, the only thing they've changed, really, to make it look more iPhone is they've taken away the kind of cut-out camera module. Yeah. But iPhones have that now. The yeah. iPhone camera arrangement doesn't look anything like this. <laughs> I think it's like to do with the bezels. The bezels I don't know. It just, that's just what just came to my mind. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. It just, I'm just recalling back to, like, when, you know, what, what were we at at that time? Like, iPhone 7 next to a... S8. Maybe, maybe it is the case that in fact that the iPhone looks like the, the Galaxy. Um, <laughs> but you could just definitely tell they were very, very different designs. Maybe it's just consolidation in general that this phone looks like many other phones. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's what I think it is. You're not you're far from the only person to say it looks like an iPhone. That's kind of why I've right. you know, responded that way because I think I've seen it in a lot of places, including on our own editorial team, Slack chat. But I mm. just look at it and think it looks like a phone, and that's part of my problem yeah. with this design is it's a bit more generic than before. Yeah, um, I think it doesn't do as much to stand out because it's they uh, the, fundamentally from the back of a phone. The way most manufacturers now differentiate their design is doing something wacky with the camera module. Yeah, uh, OnePlus's circle with the wraparound bit, Oppo's sort of sloping up bit, uh, Vivo slapping it across the entire back top <laughs> third of the phone. Everyone's finding like different ways to make that bit look a bit different. Um, and the way they've gone here, Samsung, is very minimalist, for better or worse. And what they've done is take yeah. away everything except three camera circles and a flash module, uh, or five circles for the Ultra. Um, I don't know that I love that, but I think maybe that's why it just looks a bit more generic. And that's what's made people go, oh, iPhone, because that's kind of what always happens when yeah, that fair. happens. Yeah, yeah. That's just me. I guess I just yeah they change they change the design every year. Like I quite liked the S twenty one when it was they made it cheaper and it had a plastic back. The, at least the, uh, the the lower end one did, and mm. there were some cool colors and they had that wraparound camera design. Um, I guess maybe everyone just puts it in a case, <laughs> and yeah. the cases are easier to make if they you know don't have a camera bump. Um, this is probably cheaper I mean, to manufacture yeah. as well without an extra sort the of the phone itself. Yeah, element there. Um, 
Yeah, it's but. kind of like I mean, the, maybe maybe yeah. Now, now maybe you convince me, Dom, in a few short minutes. Like the iPhone gets away largely by um, looking quite similar for three or four years in a row, um, yeah. whereas perhaps. Um, you know, Samsung maybe should should just do that, but it would maybe get more criticism. I don't I, know. Yeah. They just feel the need to switch it up, don't they? I've had that thought plenty of times that I wish manufacturers, when they hit a good design, would stick with it for longer like Apple does. But I do know plenty of people would give them criticism for <laughs> it. You know, I've had this because all the early renders we've seen of the Oppo Find X6 suggest they're changing their design pretty drastically. And I'm very sad because I really like the way the 3 and the 5 look. Yeah. And mm. then everything we've seen of the six is a radically different design that, for me, doesn't look anywhere near as appealing. And I look and just say, oh, I wish you'd just stop with that one for another year because it was great. <laughs> but I do know that you'd have people saying, oh, same old tired design, third year in a row now, got to do better, Oppo. Whereas Apple, you just kind of tolerate it because everyone goes, well, that's what Apple does. It doesn't. It's not even worth complaining because it's just Apple. It's what they're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phones are going the way of um, of football kits. You used to get a football kit, and it, they'd have that kit for like three, or, two or three yeah. seasons. Now they sell you one every year, and I guess that's just what phones do. Three every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that's the design covered. Um, Size-wise, they're all staying give or take the same as last year. There's no sort of there's little tweaks, but nothing, nothing radically changing in mm. that regard. Um, the display as well. I think we've seen looks to be similar. Oh, one last design thing actually we should touch on is the colours, which are kind of interesting because they're I guess more I don't know, muted? That's exactly the word that I was going to use, yeah, muted. Which I don't hate, but I've seen broadly negative reaction to. So there's like a purple, black, white and like a corn flower or something? Was I think, the... yeah, the core <laughs> four are meant to be a sort of beigey one black, a quite muted green yeah. and then a kind of light pinky purple thing yeah. oh, then right. there are some online only like samsung store exclusives i think that we haven't maybe seen pictures of yet that are a bit different but um these aren't i guess the difference is we're used to last couple of years samsung's gone very punchy with its colors mm-hmm. um at least outside of say the fold you know but like the flip and the s line have been pretty colorful generally. right yeah um, and they seem to be moving away from that. We think of how much they pushed the the Bora purple last year. You know, purple, purple. <laughs> there's no more and purple. There's nothing purple. like that. This is you know much much more toned down. I mean, it just looks like change for change's sake. If they keep switching it up, yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, we, again, we've probably discussed this before, but aside from the regular iPhone line, like not many manufacturers actually just go like, this is a very red phone, yeah. or like this one is very purple. They are quite restrained these days, and I don't know what the obsession with beige is either. <laughs> It kind of works for accessories like headphones, but like I'm not going to pick the beige phone. People must be buying them, I guess. Yeah, maybe they are. Maybe it's the (laughs) you're you think you're not boring enough for black, but you're still kind of boring. (laughs) And beige is the safe but not black choice. And also, you're going to put a case on it anyway. Yeah, maybe not a beige one though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so getting to other bits, I think one of the interesting things is the chipset. Um, because mm. everything we've heard so far is that we are getting the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 in all three phones in every market. Yes. Um, Qualcomm was quite <laughs> bullish even yeah. announcing this a while ago without putting names to phones or anything, but basically saying that it had a global exclusivity agreement with mm. Samsung. Um, and so we've known for a while that these would run that. What's more interesting is that a lot of what we've seen from sort of the leaked benchmark results and stuff like this is that there might be 
uh, the special Samsung-only overclocked version of the 8 Gen 2. Mm. So these could very well be able to make an immediate claim to being the most powerful Android phones on the market, barring, say, gaming phones. <laughs> if only, uh, 35 if only in marketing, if, um, if not in reality. <laughs> yeah, the, the, these will, in theory, it looks like these are going to have slightly higher clock speeds on the chips to what other HN2 phones have had. Right, yeah. Um, I guess that's cool. I suppose it, <laughs> it all depends. I mean, this diminishing returns for most people, yeah, particularly, yeah. I would say, for, for the smaller one where the thermals aren't going to be... Uh, uh, as great for cooling and what have you and also people probably won't be buying them for overclocking them but it could be interesting on the uh, the S23 Ultra 23 we're at that aren't we yeah. I, mean, I think it'll be good for Same gaming in general because they're such high density displays aren't they and that's kind of the one place where they fall over compared to the competition where they do use kind of 1080p mm-hmm. displays is, is in the frame rate generation so maybe we could see a little bit of improvement there mm-hmm. I think it's also yeah. an easy PR win for both companies right yeah. um, Qualcomm have been the Android chip manufacturer for a long time, obviously losing ground a little bit to MediaTek now, but one of the big things they've not had is a really good line with Samsung, where they've had this kind of up and down relationship because Samsung's obviously been trying to do its Exynos stuff as well. Um, And everything we've heard is that Samsung is still in the background working away at Exynos and will have something again. But in the short term, they're (laughs) they're with Snapdragon now. so it's yeah. a big win for both. You know, Qualcomm get to be like, we have all of this and we're, you know, so proud of it that we've given them an extra special version of this. <laughs> and and Samsung, yeah, just get to immediately be like the most powerful Android phone. You know, it just is. There's not room for debate about it no, for yeah. at least four months until the 8 Plus Gen 1 comes out. Um, and that's got to be worth something to them. Yeah. Uh, Gen 2, sorry, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other nice little performance boost that we're going to see is that we have heard that all three models are now going to start from 256 gigs of storage with the 128 gig model dead um some leakers have said we'll see that in certain markets we'll still get 128 gig model but that generally worldwide it will be 256 as the start point that's pretty good yeah that's good to see good to see other manufacturers are kind of doing that like Mm-hmm. yeah basically apple and samsung don't <laughs> and then if you get like other other phones out there you'll generally find that if there's one model it actually will be minimum 256 i mean i i always think that i'm a 256 minimum person but then i actually look at the phone i'm reviewing and i'm not actually using anywhere near 120 i, I was gonna say so. to play devil's advocate obviously <clears throat> higher storage is a good thing to give why not especially if people aren't paying extra for it mm-hmm. but i think the average person these days with cloud storage being as widespread as it is I don't mm. think most people fill their 128 gigs if they got them. I think I think they do if they're having like a phone for two or three years and yeah, they don't migrate my photo and video off it. Yeah. It depends how much you use the cloud stuff, and I'm aware I am not going to be a good use case because I switch phones every month and <laughs> I put everything in cloud storage. So I'm at the extreme end where I really only need the space to install my apps yeah. and a few weeks of photos and video. But um, yeah, I do wonder how many average consumers will will really need this, especially if they were just educated on, well, if you had cloud storage, you could just throw it in there, and in the long run, that's cheaper and easier, and you can just auto-delete everything that's older than two years off the device or whatever in, in terms of your pictures, because you'll still have it online. But, um, <clears throat> no, I mean, you know, it's a good option to have, and it's a good... I'm not going to complain about default storage <laughs> going up. No, I'll it's take it. Thing, right. <clears throat> um... I guess then the other big area is camera, because that's the other place where we're expecting changes. Things like display, things like battery and charging, everything we've heard is that stuff is basically saying give or take where it was last year. 
Mm. Um, this is maybe the area where I feel it, there's been the most uncertainty, just because there's been a little bit of back and forth between different leaks and different reports over the past few years as to what we're actually going to get in these phones. Certainly for the Ultra, there was a lot of speculation in different directions as to whether we were getting a 200 megapixel sensor in there or not. Um, I think it's settled down now to basically think that, yes, we will. Uh, we will see a 200 megapixel sensor in the Ultra, and that will probably be the big change yeah. in the Ultra is the downside to that, because we have heard that the other three lenses, on the rear at least, are probably going to be the exact same ones from last year. Um, so we're going to have a big resolution jump, not necessarily quality jump, but a big resolution jump from 108 to 200 for the main camera, with then the same ultra-wide telephoto um, and uh, periscope stick sticking on the back. Um, yeah, I'm curious about this. I've tried a couple of 200 megapixel sensors. Um, the Motorola Edge 30 Ultra was the one I used the most, and mm -hmm. it did genuinely impress me a lot more than I thought it would. I went in a real skeptic about that. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about megapixel counts, kind of meaningless, but the way it was handled there gave me a bit of confidence, and that was a Samsung um, sensor. I think it is a different one to the one we're likely to see in the S23, though who knows for sure which sensor is going to be in there. But I think we're basically going to get a better version of that, plus Samsung's superior to Motorola algorithms and tuning <laughs> yeah. and processing and all of that stuff. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic here. And you know, I think if nothing else, I reckon Samsung got burnt so badly by the S20 Ultra camera that they probably wouldn't risk throwing in something that wasn't absolutely ready. And, and I think... That's why there was speculation even last year of a 200 megapixel. And I suspect last year they were ready to go and then kind of got cold feet and thought it's not quite good enough. We can't put it in. So I think the fact that it has yeah. appeared this year makes me feel like they know it is good enough. It's ready. Yeah. Yeah, they are increasingly cautious, I guess. You mentioned the S20 there. That was a bit of a, a misstep with all the focus issues. And then mm -hmm. I was almost surprised that that even happened because, you know, since, since the Note 8, they've been <laughs> kind of steadily progressing. But I mean, if the design is so similar on the on the Ultras this year, it kind of shows that they really are going quite inc incremental. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I mean, I guess it works. They sell quite a few phones, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is the thing as well, because like the S22 Ultra is generally thought of as one of the best phones of last year anyway. So maybe they're just like, well, we don't need to change it a lot. We just need to stay competitive and then more people will mm. buy it. Absolutely. I mean, it may, yeah, they got it right last year, so they don't have to change a lot radically to kind of stay where they are in the pecking order to just keep pace with rivals. Big main camera jump makes sense. Um, it's worth saying that what if there's been one recurring theme to um, reports from Ice Universe, who's one of the bigger Samsung leakers out there, he just keeps tweeting every now and then about how good the night mode is on the <laughs> S23 Ultra. Oh. <clears throat> not really going into specifics of the hows and the whys and the tech involved that's changed, but just keeps kind of saying, guys, the night vi the night mode is really good. He did at one point say it's basically night vision. Um, so supposedly we also have big upgrades there to look forward to, though that will, again, I imagine be more about algorithmic stuff, post-processing, rather than, than hardware tweaks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other little oddity on the Ultra camera is that although they're getting this resolution jump on the main camera, what we've heard is that the selfie camera is dropping from a 40 megapixel to a, I think, a 12 megapixel, um, which is 
a slightly odd one. I just find it interesting in terms of how they're going to message that and kind of brand <laughs> that. Because on the one they hand, they're saying more it. pixels better, <laughs> and then they're going to quietly be like, but don't say that about the selfie camera because we went the other way. <laughs> yeah, weird. I don't know. I mean, like we've seen that you don't necessarily have to have megapixels to to make good photos but like you say the juxtaposition of sticking 200 on the back and then cutting the front one yeah might be a bit, I, odd, bit I odd i suspect yeah. this will be a better selfie camera i yeah. don't think this is a downgrade but yeah maybe i'm wrong maybe they are just deciding that they don't need to go that big on the selfie camera so they'll, they'll cut costs there but i suspect this will in total be a better selfie camera because maybe it'll be a bigger sensor or, or, or just a more advanced one or something but mm. yeah it's a little odd to um bump resolution on one side while cutting it on the other and uh Keep a straight face while you're doing it. Probably a very expensive sensor they're putting in the back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Uh, then, I guess if there's a cause for some minor hesitation, it's that the base models are reportedly not really getting any particularly big camera changes, which I don't think is too bad because, again, I think they did pretty well on them last year. Um, and I think there's room to say, well... The Ultra's now the camera phone, yeah. and these two just need to be sort of good enough for that kind of upper end of the market without being the best around. But um, certainly what we've heard is that probably the resolutions are staying the same on all of these, which means, uh, if I got this right, a 50 megapixel main, 12 on the ultra wide, and 10 on the telephoto. Um, again, that just means the megapixel count's the same. There may be some sensor changes in there. We're not sure. We just know from everything we've heard it's the same resolution sensors yeah i suspect it'll be the exact same sensors and, and nothing here is meaningfully changing um yeah, again there's been right. a talk of a slight change to the selfie camera in this case going from 10 up to 12 so i would hazard a guess that means it's the same 12 meg selfie camera in all three phones it's a shame. but um, <laughs> otherwise it looks like the s23 and 23 plus will basically be same cameras or very similar cameras and again i guess the emphasis will be algorithm updates, processing, all the improvements there. So again, probably better cameras, but I don't think this is going to be an exciting camera jump that anything except the the ultra main camera from a hardware perspective, at least. Yeah, sounds about right. So basically the big updates are the design for the two base models, though the ultra is staying about the same. Um, Chipset, because we no longer have this annoying Snapdragon Exynos split, and we know we're getting an extra special Snapdragon just for these <laughs> phones. Um, and then these, these camera tweaks. Between all of that, what, are, what do we think of these? I never know what to think about. Yes, I'm sorry, go on, Lewis. I was about to say, it's just it's, it's one of those incremental years, isn't it? It's just there's not really a lot to do. They're just kind of tidying up the range, like bringing everything mm -hmm. in line with each other. Um, maybe they're just saving the big changes for next year or something like that, but it's not an exciting update for me. I don't really like the updated design, so I'm just like, if anything, I'm more attracted to last year's one. So um, mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how people take it, that's for sure. Yeah, I kind of agree. I really like the S21 look, and on the Ultra, that was a great phone. I know it didn't have the S Pen, but it didn't really bother me, to be honest. And um, I kind of thought, oh, I really actually like the boxy notes, but then when the S22 came around, like Lewis says, I wasn't a fan of the back of the phone, uh, really, and that's actually that's one of the phones I didn't really want to put in a case because it's so big already. Um, <laughs> and then so maybe then looking to the smaller ones, like the the Plus, maybe um, they've got to have something up their sleeve, market, <laughs> even if it's just marketing, which usually we can see through. But you know, like Apple goes from iPhone 13 to 14, and then it will add like action mode or like autofocus on the selfie camera or like a new color. Like yeah. it's that kind of vibe, isn't it? There'll be something in there, but this is largely last year's phone. But maybe with the best chip in the world. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's especially hard to push if the big camera changes outside of that ultra 200 meg if the other stuff mm. is kind of the night mode's better that's great <laughs> and people care about night mode but every year they say the night mode's better so you know it, it maybe diminishing returns as a marketing and obviously obviously we're reviewing them and we're looking at at all the tiny little details of these things but at the end of the day like in six months someone will text me and being like should i buy the s23 and i'll just be like yeah probably yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) if you just want to know if it's a good all-rounder if it does everything well then fine yeah Yeah. and that's what people want and that's what people buy right so yeah i'd be surprised if they were bad phones unless they just get the pricing completely wrong yeah uh, which is always yeah. the risk with Samsung. It's always a bit of a coin toss on how they'll handle that side. Uh, but we will find out more soon, February 1st, so just uh, two or three weeks away, and then we will get the big, full S23 launch reveal. Um, as mentioned, it from what we can tell from Samsung's teasing, it is coming alongside a Galaxy book, because on the sort of US reservation yeah. page, that's what you have the chance to reserve. It sounds like that's it. There's been no mention of buds or watches, tablets, anything like that. So it looks like it's just phones and one or maybe more laptops. I haven't been following the Galaxy Book rumors to know what's meant to be coming there. Um, but yeah, l- dial down your expectations if you're hoping for a whole set of ecosystem stuff, because this doesn't appear to be the launch for that. All right, let's talk about Nothing, who have decided to launch the phone one in the US in what they are calling a beta membership. Um, this is a little odd, and I have mixed <laughs> feelings about it. I think from chatting to the other guys, I think we all have slightly mixed feelings about it, but it is interesting. So, the Nothing Phone 1 launched last summer in Europe and Asia, fundamentally, um, and launched for 400-ish pounds, euros, and then you can convert into whatever currency you want to think of. Um, at the time, they basically said, we're not going to launch in the US, which was slightly controversial because they waited till really close to the launch to reveal that after a lot of US after media they gave it to them, yeah. for a long time um, before discovering they'd been hyping up a phone none of their readers could buy. Um, but the, the explanation was, fundamentally, they had not included the networking tech to cover, so they would have coverage on American bands because just the signal bands are different, the network seems to be different bands. And so there is a genuine cost to them at manufacture to include components that will cover the US and cover other markets. They presumably decided at some point this was not worth the cost to them based on how many units they really expected to sell in the US. I assume that's roughly the way the thought pattern goes for them. Yeah. Yeah. What they said at the time was they would eventually release the phone one in the US in a limited form in a beta program. And we have finally basically found out what that is. it is officially a beta membership to test uh, Nothing OS 1.5, which is their update to Android 13. That does feel a little bit like a smokescreen because, as far as I can tell, this like beta program isn't available outside the US. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, there are easier ways to get people to beta test your OS update than by launching the phone in a market where it only <laughs> so, half works. So what you say, so I, I think I probably just assumed here that people who already bought the phone in normal regions who actually sell it, so they can't they can't test the this beta? I actually don't know if you're sure. I imagine you can because of the way they run right, things. I was going to sure say. <laughs> but it definitely feels like I don't think they are really doing this in the US for the sake of beta testing. No. Um because they could get plenty of people to beta test it outside the US through What's people who already own so the what, phone. So why are they doing it then? I, I think <laughs> that 
they are doing this. Maybe we should lay out a little bit more about what this is. Sorry, sorry. And, and yeah. what, what the, the pros and cons of this before we get into the whys. So, phone is available to get, as of now, I think, in the US, um, for $299. So that is, give or take, 100 to $150 cheaper than you would expect it to be based on converted price. I think if they sold it in the US, it would probably mm. be a $400 phone. So they're doing it yeah. for $300 and you're getting a $100 discount. Um, you do get to keep the phone if you sign up for this program. It is not a loan or any testing thing or anything like that. It is your phone. You are buying the phone. You can only get it in the 8-gig uh, RAM, 128-gig storage configuration and only in black. So they clearly just picked one type of the hardware <laughs> that they had and shipped a load of those to the US and didn't do any variants. Um, it is the global retail version of the phone. This is not a specially produced for the US version. It is not a beta version of hardware. It does not have different networking tech inside. That means it will have all the problems working in the US that they said it would <laughs> at launch, which means of the big three networks, only T-Mobile will have 5G support and only on one band of 5G support, which means you'll have ropey access and probably not the best speeds. Um, AT&T will have 3G and 4G, but no 5G. Verizon will have 4G, but they even describe Verizon's coverage in general as very limited. Uh, mm. They make a point of signaling out. So Verizon will be particularly bad. Um, I, obviously, there's a whole load of MMVOs, MVNOs and other carriers and stuff, but those are the three that they kind of report on what they can provide. Um, so what you're essentially, the deal you're making here is get 100 bucks off the asking price of a phone in order to get one that might not work. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty strange. Can people who buy this, is it also, with, do we know, they're obviously testing the, the, the beta of the software. Yeah. But given that they're buying the actual phone, like that I could buy, you know, down the road in London, um, can they roll it back to stable software? Oh, I don't know, actually. You would expect, a, if you generally did the beta update, that you would have the rollback option. Yeah. And they have said this is the same hardware. So I suspect... Yes, but, but, I may, do not but maybe they're authority. putting a lock on it to actually make people test it. It just seems strange. Yeah. It just seems really weird. Like if you wanted to test your phone in the states just to see how just how bad it was in terms of the bands and what have you, it's almost as if that they wanted to do that, but then they also had to give people an incentive. But the incentive is potentially unstable software. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. unstable not that signal. I've used it. I'm not right? saying it's not. No. I'm not saying it is. Sorry, but you oh, know I what I mean. It will it's be unstable, but just because it's a beta, that's no. That's and, and then also, if you wanted to beta. test your beta, why would you do it in a, in a place where you're probably only going to get a smattering of people doing it? Unless unless they think it's just a, if they wanted it to be like a marker of how popular will our product be in the states. It doesn't look as though they're going to get that data no. from this exercise. So, Seems odd. What I think is going on is. This is fundamentally word of mouth marketing. Yeah, I think they have been open. Carplay has been very open that he wants to put a phone out in the US. Um, it's I think quite it's pretty plus clear, it, isn't it? That will not be the phone one unless it's a revised version of it with different networking tech inside, because the hardware would have to be different. It is a hardware issue that means it doesn't work in the US. They are mm. not attempting to fix that right now. This doesn't look like an attempt. And if you were planning to fix that and running a beta, you'd be beta testing that revised phone with <laughs> yeah. the new networking chip inside that covers all the right bands and all of that, right? So I think, for me, the fact that they're doing this, shipping out these phones that don't have that tech, is an admission that the phone one is not going to get a US launch. You'll have to wait for the phone two or whatever, or the phone stick 
or whatever they want to come up with next, <laughs> uh, before you get one that maybe launches in the US. I think you're right, Henry, that they're not going to get a sense of their appeal in the US by doing this because it's going to be kind of such a strange prospect and people might get a bad experience. But I think this is a way of getting word of mouth. I think this is a way of saying, we know we have a phone that looks really cool, that looks really unique, that looks very different. We can get that in people's hands, get people using it, taking it around. And people say, what's that? Oh, it's the nothing phone. And get nothing out there as a brand, right? The people that will sign up for this, that will pay 300 bucks to get one of these, are tech YouTubers, tech influencers, tech journalists, <laughs> and the kind of tech nerds that OnePlus courted in its early days and yeah. built its appeal from word of mouth from hardcore fans who would go and like you know sign up early for programs to buy phones and all that kind of stuff and that's how the name got out there was through that audience and I think this is an extension of that I think they're basically realizing look if we can get our American nerd fan base to buy some of these at a discount and just start carrying them around with them even if it's as a secondary device or a just for fun thing like a lot more people are going to see these things. A lot more people are going to ask about them. And by the time they're ready for phone two, they'll just have that little bit more awareness in the market. Um, and maybe they get to turn a small profit per unit while they're doing it. This may even be something they can still make money out of. That's the thing I was about to say. I have a I feeling know, that yeah. they're not even turning a profit, though, because um, there was a video a while back that so nothing has started doing these YouTube videos on its own channel. Uh, where like they get Carl Pei and other executives to kind of um, react to things, and you know they're just kind of trying to start up a bit of a channel. And in one, which is admittedly quite funny video, but Carl Pei actually says you should probably like if you want the best phone in the world, you should buy the iPhone 14 Pro. <laughs> but if you want something a little better, like uh, sorry, a little cheaper, and you know blah 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 blah, you can get the nothing phone. But he does actually discuss in that video the the exact margin for a handset. Oh, right. Yeah, and I have a feeling they don't. I think 300 would actually be loss making, but I can't remember. But it, go check it out. <laughs> I'm sure it would be at launch. I guess the yeah. question is whether six months in their manufacturing costs have dropped any. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is slightly loss making. But again, if it's a marketing exercise, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, if it's and they are a company that to say we're losing for, 30 bucks yeah. per phone or whatever number it is, you know, to make that up. Um, they only stood up so quickly because of all the venture capital behind them anyway. So yeah. if they if they have some money, like you say, to put into it, um, it does also imply that there are quite a few black models sitting in a warehouse <laughs> somewhere. Yes, it makes you wonder if they just had a lot of unsold black ones and thought, oh, what can we do with these? No one's buying the cheap black SKUs, so we'll... Uh, or we just not that we know that they're not, but you know what I mean. No. Yeah. Okay, it's speculation. Um, yeah, I think that's what's going on here. I think this is fundamentally marketing. And then I think the choice you've got to make as someone considering buying this is A... Do I feel okay paying 300 bucks to be part of Nothing's marketing campaign? Um, and B, do I feel okay paying 300 bucks for a phone that might not work? That's why I say I don't... I think the people who buy this will be influencers, YouTubers, and nerds. Yeah. I think most people who buy it, in fairness to Nothing, they're not hiding the fact that this won't work. It's there in an FAQ page, in the beta membership page. They're listing the whole thing as a beta membership. It's not like they're just listing it as on yeah, sale yeah, yeah. No, with yeah. caveats. They're putting it all behind a page about beta membership, so they know... I think you'd struggle to buy this without at some point realizing the thing you're buying has some strict caveats and you'd go in knowing that. And so I think most people will buy this as a second phone. Yeah. Um, and, and for the fun of it, or at least go in knowing the risk that they'll get it and it'll be, in terms of networking, a brick for them, but fine in every other respect. Um, I will caveat this is very much anecdata 
but I had spoke, you know, when I spoke to nothing, people who work at nothing and some of their PRs and stuff around the time of the phone's launch, when that news first came out about it not working in the US, um, they did say that they had just been at, you know, launch stuff prep in New York for several days, all using the nothing phone one, and that it had worked perfectly for all of them. And that this, to some extent, may just be that kind of caveating of saying, like, officially, we cannot guarantee reliable service on these networks. In practice, it may be better than it sounds. Um, but yeah. again, that is anecdata from a year ago from people who work for the it's company. Also, it's so also because, like, the, the many, states many are just... Attached to that. The states is such a crazy patchwork of different uh, networks and standards. Yeah. Like it, you can pretty much be like, it'll work in England, it'll work in Austria, but like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, anecdotally, I was watching a video on YouTube the other day, and the guy was reviewing um, a phone, and it, it, it like didn't support his four G. Wait, no, didn't support his five G band. But then he was saying that actually in his area, like the networks just have basically just don't even improve the 4G anymore and like mm. 5G is actually better in his area and therefore the phone was next to unusable. So it really depends where you are, yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of variation. So I think, yeah, but there's some reason to think you might be able to buy this and you might get lucky depending on where you live and what network you're on and all that stuff and find, hey, this phone works absolutely perfectly and you've got what was, to be fair, a very good mid-range device yeah. and you're getting it at a $100 discount um, and you're getting I mean, something so in, that for the yeah. US is very unique and special and attention grabbing. In um, some ways, you've got uh, nothing to lose. Okay. <laughs> Except $300. You've got $300 to lose. Oh, uh, $300. So, yeah, there is that risk. And uh, who knows what sort of consumer protections you get, repair options, stuff like that. You can return it within 14 Peter. days, and then I'm pretty sure you get no after after sale service. Oof. Exactly. Yeah, right. I would expect something like that. So there's, yeah. there's so many caveats, and I think people should only go into this if they really know what they're, they're signing up for. And I would feel very hesitant about anyone considering this for their main phone. Yeah, I was about to say, no main phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Buy this as a second thing, or if you think it would be fun and you're like considering replacing your main phone, but your current phone still works fine, and if the nothing is a dud for you, you could just go back to your Samsung and... Be okay with it yeah um do not be like i just trash my phone i'll buy this one perfect um i i, I think that's asking for trouble Good but advice. if this is a sign that they're serious about breaking into the us and that the next phone round will will do that then yeah great i want to see that happen all right final thing let's talk about the razor edge um the we've spoken about this a couple of times before this is a android based Snapdragon chip-powered handheld from the gaming peripheral and hardware company Razer, who previously made the two Razer phones, um, had kicked off the gaming phone market and then noped out <laughs> of it just as everyone did. else got in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The Edge is, in many ways, a phone. Yes. Um, except for the fact you can't make phone calls and Razer get really annoyed when you call it a phone in front of them. <laughs> Does it uh, have a SIM card slot? I, well, if you get the five G model from yeah. Verizon, then presumably it will. Yeah. Um, as far as I'm aware, could be that is physical SIM. Could be SIM, but yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's two versions: Wi-Fi only and five G. The five G one is a Verizon exclusive right now. The whole thing is currently US exclusive. Um, it launches in the US on January twenty sixth. Um, I Razer have, I think. I can't remember for sure. I think maybe they've said they do have plans to launch it outside the US eventually, and I imagine they do. But for now, it's the US only, and who knows how long it might be if and when it ever goes anywhere else. Um, so for now, this is this is only the US. Um, 
the Wi-Fi version is uh, $400. The 5G model, if I can get this right, is $600. Ooh. But launch offer makes it $360 over a $10 a month for a 36-month contract. Um, right. I was going to say you still point, have to pay for the contract. Right. So if at launch time right now you went for it, then the 5G model is cheaper than the Wi-Fi model as long as you're happy to sign up for a contract with Verizon and pay it out over that period. Obviously, you, uh, I guess you have to pay data on top of that. I'm not sure. US networking is a nightmare. Every time I try to make sense of contracts there, I, I just want to tear my hair out. No. So I don't know. No. But I would guess you're paying for some data as well. Um, what this is, you may remember from Qualcomm Snapdragon or something a year and a bit ago that there was this Razer Qualcomm de development kit yeah. of this handheld device that was an all-in-one thing, a bit like the Steam Deck. Um, though I think at that point we didn't know about the Steam Deck or at least hadn't mm. seen final design of it. Um, what's launched as the Razer Edge is a little bit different. Um, it's, like I said, kind of more like a phone or um, arguably a very small tablet um, because it is a discrete phone-shaped kind of device and then it comes with a Kishi V2 Pro controller. Uh, that is currently exclusive to this. You can't buy that anywhere else. You can buy other Kishi controllers, but this specific version is Edge exclusive. And that is basically one of those two-part Bluetooth controllers that kind of extends out and you slot the phone inside and then it, it kind of wraps around it and holds it in place. Um, I got a chance to play around with this a little bit at the Snapdragon Summit where they launched the HN2 back in November. Um, so this was a couple months ago, so my recollections are a little fuzzy, but I have a piece on techadvisor.com with some of my thoughts and some photos from my time playing around with it. Uh, what I will say is, from a hardware perspective, I really do think they've done a great job. I think they've knocked it out of the park in terms of the feel of the device. I think you can kind of tell this and the Kishi were presumably developed together to some extent because it does fit just right. And once you've got it locked into the controller, for the most part, it feels like a pretty cohesive whole. Um, mm. You don't have that feeling of, oh, it's just a phone strapped into a Bluetooth pad. It kind of mostly feels like a whole unit, even though it's actually not. And obviously with this perk, if you want to, you can separate the bits out. Um, either for travel or maybe because you're playing a mobile game that's touchscreen based so why bother having the controller strapped on the sides if, if you know what you're going to pay is, is all about the touchscreen anyway. I guess my hesitations about this device are the who's it's for, why would you buy it, why wouldn't you just use your phone kind of challenges. <laughs> yeah, I stay clear on this because it's just such a dumb idea. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, my my feeling is I think they will sell a fair few of them. Yeah. But I think the people buying them are being silly. Yeah. So I think in a way it makes sense for Razer because I think they'll make money off this thing. Maybe. Um, I just do think anyone buying it should reevaluate their priorities and think about why they're buying this versus anything else they could buy. And how they could achieve the exact same aim by literally just buying a Bluetooth controller for their yes. phone. So that's kind of the thing. It's like. Okay, you are someone who already owns a phone because you are a human being probably living in the developed world if you're listening to this podcast. So you probably own a phone. It's probably a smartphone. It's probably one if you're listening to a phone podcast that you bought in the last year or two. Um, you could go buy a Bluetooth controller for 
50 bucks or whatever. You can spend more than that if you want to, you can buy a really nice one. I will say there's a very good roundup of mobile controllers on techadvisor.com that you can have a little look at. (laughs) (laughs) If you want, you can even buy a Kishi. You could buy a Kishi Pro, I think, just not a Kishi V2 Pro. You couldn't get this exact one, but you could get a very similar controller made by (laughs) Razer with basically the same layout and the same features. You could strap your phone into that, and then what you have is kind of a Razer Edge. <laughs> Can I step um, in here as somebody who doesn't... Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as someone who doesn't really game, I'm just been listening, taking it all in. And I think one of you actually mentioned it. This, to me, is a product that's like one of the most Razer things ever. But, I mean, the only people who buy Razer stuff are like Razer fans, right? Like even people who casually game probably aren't going to buy half the stuff that Razer sells. So somebody with disposable income is going to be like, yeah. hey, yeah. Razer made this sick new thing and it does this thing. And maybe they're yeah. iPhone people as well. And so they're, they're like, oh, I can get my Android kicks from this little guy. That's and a fair point, actually. If you're an bucks, iPhone owner, there's yeah. a little more argument for it. Particularly it for the US for market, different. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, a fair, that's a fair point. I think... Um, yeah, so from a software side, this is an Android device. It will play Android games. I can't imagine there are very many big Android games that you couldn't play on an iPhone. Um, I you can play it via GeForce now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be the same kind of awkward, messy ways of getting it because the Epic Game Store is also no longer on the Play Store. Um, they That's have right. the same squabbles that Apple just took all the headlines and Google kind of sidled by <laughs> doing all the same stuff. Without anyone complaining, this is that the flip side of the Apple gets all the headline stuff is equally they got all yeah, the bad press around Fortnite. Um, yeah. <laughs> to, to the point that that is an issue. That one nice touch here is it comes with a load of the game fronts um, and streaming apps pre-installed for you, okay. and they have pre-installed the Epic Game Store because they recognise that it is a bit of a pain to get and will involve <laughs> side loading. So they've made a point of pre-installing that one for you. Uh, I don't know how it handles updates to that and things like that. Probably you'd actually then have to start doing that bit manually. But um, yeah, you get all the Android game access and then you get all the Android apps that allow cloud gaming. So you can do, you know, the Xbox Cloud Gaming, GeForce Now, lots of others. They've actually pre-installed like five or six different services, including several I had never heard of. Um, so they've gone deep in terms of the what they're offering. But all of that is doable on an Android phone. Um most of it is doable on an iPhone too. I think there probably are some little bits there that may be specific apps that might be different, but I don't know that there'd be a lot that would be different. No, I think, um, well, the only difference is that on iPhone, you have to use like the website version instead of a yeah. dedicated app. But apart from that, the experience is, is basically the same. Yeah. So maybe there'd be minor performance gains here to doing it through the dedicated app, but I, I don't think that'd be really meaningful. Uh, um, and is, is any of the hardware upgradable or is it all just... Oh no, it'll it's always a fixed, be that. a fixed thing. Um, mm. not, this is not modular, this is not upgradable. Other than, I, I suppose, the controller, you could just swap the controller out for a better one right. in two years yeah. if something comes out that you like. Um, but the actual unit itself is, is a fixed thing. What it has... The, the, the arguments... Razer basically make two arguments in, in terms of when I was chatting to them about why you might want this rather than just using your phone. One, I want to get out of the way because I think it's rubbish. One is they say, well, this is a discrete device with its own battery. So let's say you want to play a load of games on your phone, but you don't want to tank your phone battery. So instead, you bring this separate device with its own battery, you can play your games on there, and your phone battery is still pretty full. 
This is bigger and heavier than a power bank. I was literally about to say. Just carry a power bank. <laughs> if that is what you're thinking, buy a power, power bank. bank. It will be cheaper, it will be lighter, it will solve that exact same issue. If you've got an iPhone, you can literally this get MagSafe ones that snap to the back of the phone and charge yeah. it all day. Easy. So, absolute rubbish. I just want to debunk that immediately. Because that was felt to me when I chatted to the Razor Exec. That was kind of the main thing they were leaning on almost was, ah, it saves your phone battery. And I'm like... We already got the solution to that problem. Uh, we've had them for a while. Um, the more interesting one, and we won't really have an answer to this until this thing properly comes out, people can start benchmarking it, doing real-world comparison tests, things like that, is Razer obviously will argue you are getting a performance benefit to playing on here versus playing on your phone. That will obviously depend on your phone. Um, there's two ways that comes about. One, this is powered by not a Snapdragon 8 series phone chip, but the Snapdragon... G3X Gen 1, yes. a needlessly complicated name, but there you go. Um, that was the chip that Qualcomm revealed alongside the 8 Gen 1. Um, and it's hard to know because Qualcomm's been very coy about the exact structure of that chip and its performance levels. What's hard to know is where this sits in the hierarchy of Qualcomm chips because obviously... Phones have now had the 8 Gen 2, which is a year more recent. And I'd be very curious to see from that straight performance measure, is the G the GTX Gen 1 was probably more powerful than an 8 Gen 1 because it was designed to be. Yeah. Is it more powerful than an 8 Gen 2 or have phones already outpaced this thing? Um, and, and obviously the 8 Gen 2 has things like ray tracing and stuff like that that yeah, might not which be this doesn't. Yeah. Um, the edge this does have is active cooling. It's got six vents in the back. It's got its own active cooling. That will allow the chip to run hotter for longer, run at higher rates, stick to high frame rates. You know, you'll get that long-term performance. It also helps with some battery level stuff because it can keep the whole thing cool. So that's an edge this has that your phone doesn't. Unless, of course, you've bought one of the gaming phones on the market that has <laughs> active cooling yeah. built into it anyway, or an aftermarket fan attachment yeah. or whatever. Because you do have options like that for gaming phones. Those aftermarket really fans are really it. impressive as well. Like they yeah. really do call your phone. So this probably gives you gaming phone performance without having to use a gaming phone, and that is the closest I can figure out to the niche for this product. Is someone who is so serious about their mobile gaming that they know they want the best performance money can buy, but they think. ROG phones are ugly or bulky and they don't really want to carry one around or they know they want a really good camera on their phone. And so thus they're happy to have their main phone be something that looks a bit nicer or is camera focused, but they still want a separate device to carry on the go that gives them top level Android gaming performance, whether that's for Android games or for streaming cloud games. That feels to me like a very small niche yes. to target. But those feel to me like the only people I could really say, for you, this is a sensible purchase, if you fall into that bucket. If you're the kind of person that would buy a gaming phone, if not for the caveats that usually come attached to gaming phones, basically. Yeah. I guess they're just doing it because they can. Yeah. And they stopped doing the actual Razer phone, probably because they thought there were too many compromises about that form factor. Mm -hmm. So now they're doing this, and it doesn't work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, yeah, my my argument is just like, even if it is faster than the, the 8 Gen 2, like, it's going to be Which marginal. it may be, to be yeah. clear. Yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. But even if, yeah, even if it is, it's, it's going to be marginally faster at best. Like, you're mm. not going to see, like, double the frame rate from this thing compared to using your phone. Yeah. So in my mind, it's just, 
pointless. Like I don't yeah. like it's just yeah it, it it I mean it's it's not designed for me. I can just tell that from the off. Like it's yeah. definitely not a phone or a, no, sorry, not a phone razor. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> a cloud gaming device. That's for me. Um, but I yeah. still think almost anyone would be better served with a flagship Android phone yep. and. A, a Bluetooth controller. I've got one of these it. that actually attaches, yeah. got the phone mount built in. Perfect. Yeah. You can even buy, you know, if, if performance is really your focus, you can buy mid-ranges, some of the, maybe not if you're in the US, to be fair, but outside of the US, if this gets a more a wider launch, you know, Xiaomi put out, like Poco put out mid-ranges that pack the latest 8 series chip, and, yeah. you know, so you could buy something for the equivalent of 400 to $600, the price range this is in, that will pack the latest 8 series chip and have comparable performance, but will also be your phone and you can use it for all your phone stuff too. Imagine that. Which, which this you can't. <laughs> so I'm a little skeptical about this. To end on a more positive note, like I said, from a hardware perspective, this impressed me. For what it is, like they have done a good job of building it. I think the hardware is very slick. Um, the display is kind of a thick bezel, but you get past that pretty quickly. I don't think that's the biggest problem in the world. Um, it's a plasticky back, but got a slight texturing it kind of reminded me of um going way back but i felt a bit like the the old nexus 7 tablet kind of finish some of the nexus phones as well (laughs) in a way so you know i liked elements of the way it looked while still feeling very razor obviously is it a 16 Um, by 9 display Ooh, you know, I'm not sure of the aspect ratio off the top of my that head. Might, that's got to be. If, that's, if they haven't got a 16 by 9 display on a gaming focus thing, oh, you know isn't what? even a Give phone. me a sec, because I, <laughs> I actually do have that in my notes somewhere. I now remember because <laughs> there was discussion of the aspect ratio. Because yeah, um, I, I remember that was one of the big things that people were talking about a while back. Is that, you no, know, it, is a, it is a 20 by 9 display. Um, the, there was discussion about that. They basically said, for everything except Xbox Game Pass, you'll end up playing in 20 by 9 and it will work fine. Game Pass will render with black bars. Yeah. You've got letterboxing for Game Pass because that will just output 16 by 9. Um, but they figured the 20 by 9 gave you more options, gave you the sort of covers you for different use cases, different games, lets you have that more widescreen option um, if, if you want it, uh, which I know for some like FPSs or even racing games, people do like that. Yeah. So, uh, And it will work better for the on-platform Android games, even if it's maybe a little less ideal for the cloud streaming or console game mm-hmm. side of it. Um, so yeah, it, but it is it is sixteen. It is twenty by nine, not sixteen by nine. Um, if that's going to bother you, uh, but you know, I, I like the hardware here. And the other positive thing I'll say is, especially given the pricing they've managed to hit, it really makes that Logitech one look rubbish. Oh yeah, um, that already <laughs> looked like a bit of a bad buy. But at the time, at least, I thought, well, the Razer will cost twice as much. Yeah. And you know what? They've come in, and the four G, mo- sorry, the four G, the Wi Fi model is. I think $50 more than the Logitech. Um, the 5G one is a lot more, and I think that's the one where I look and say, if you're getting that right now at the discount, cool, go yeah. for it. If it's at that 600 price, that 5G one begins to look very silly to me. Uh, but the $400 Wi-Fi one, you know, if you know you want one of these things, absolutely buy this one over the Logitech. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a clear winner now in that kind of Android phone, mobile gaming, handheld thing. And it's this, not Logitech. I just still do not understand why this market segment exists or who it's for beyond a very small group of people. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to get it. No. As, as you said, Lewis, it's, 
it's not for you and it's, it's no, yeah. clearly not for me either <laughs> <laughs> but i just don't know who it is for no please and that's what I if it's for you, come and tell us we need to yeah know. please jump in the comments this may be our last episode but we are still like you know <laughs> running the youtube channel we'll see, we will see the comments so please let us know if you're like in love with this thing and you want one i want to know why i'm really interested um so we'd be fascinated to hear all right i think that is us for today and i guess forever wow <laughs> that is existential <laughs> um yeah that is uh the end of fast judge thank you to everyone who has been watching listening jumping in the the live chat on youtube with us all of that it has really been appreciated it has been uh definitely a joy for me to get to do this show yeah. every week uh and you know i hope for lewis henry and everyone else and iron hannah toddy everyone else who's been on the show with us in the past uh and hopefully all of you who've been watching and listening and yeah, please just stay tuned. The YouTube channel is still going. TechAdvisor.com is still going. There'll be loads of stuff going out on both of those. So uh, keep subscribed to the channel and keep checking out the site. And I, I still hope we get to do something like this again down the line. Some yeah. other little podcasty live show thing. But we will we will see what yeah. form that takes. <laughs> um, any, any last words from either of you two before we sign off forever? Uh, fast charge doesn't need to go over about 80 watts, I reckon. <laughs> for a fast, fast charge vibe uh, yeah. and mine is that iPhones will always be better than Androids hey. <laughs> what note to end on tragic how far we have fallen in just 30 seconds alright thank you Lewis thank you Henry thank you to all of you out there and we will see you soon just not on fast charge bye bye, bye.